hello, welcome. My name's Reverend Zoe Hemming. I'm delighted to be uh, chairing this really interesting conversation, which um, is uh, relevant to me as a disabled Christian and a vicar and something that I am really passionate about learning more about um, and happen to be a really big fan of the book that has been written. So it's a, a double bonus for me to be able to, to, to share in this conversation. The Bible proclaims that we are all wonderfully made in God's image, but the continuing marginalization of disabled siblings in our churches and society indicates that we have a long journey towards recognizing the value and goodness and giftedness of all. I'm delighted to be speaking with Naomi Lawson-Jacobs and Emily Richardson, authors of At the Gates, Disability Justice and the Churches. Naomi and Emily have collected prophetic and transformative narratives of experience shared directly by disabled people who have until recently been not enabled to speak in Christian books about disability. By centering disabled Christians' own story, their book calls for churches to move from a care-based approach to disability to one that is focused on justice and equality. We're going to explore those key themes together. I'm going to start by asking Naomi and Emily to introduce themselves. Naomi. So hi, I'm Naomi Lawson-Jacobs. I'm a social researcher in disability studies and religious studies, and I'm a trustee of Disability Rights UK. And quite a few years ago now, I began to get frustrated that um, disabled Christians weren't really being enabled to tell our own stories to the church. There's very little research that asks us about our experiences. And we have stories to tell about church, faith, the Bible and our own lived experience of disability. But the church has often talked about disability without listening to disabled people. And so that was the inspiration for my PhD research with disabled Christians. And this book is one of the results um, where we hope we've, we've certainly worked towards enabling disabled, neurodivergent, deaf and chronically ill storytellers to, to speak for ourselves. And Emily. I I'm Emily Richardson and my journey with this book actually began around the table as one of Naomi's original research participants and when it came to shaping Naomi's research I was really pleased to be asked to help turn that into a book for a more general, less academic audience. And I hope we've been able to do that in At The Gates. So my first question uh, is to you, Naomi. As you said, your book shares the stories of many disabled Christians. Could you say a bit more about why that approach was really important to you? Yeah, so what comes to mind here is a quote from blind theologian John Hull, and he says that disabled people have often not seen Christianity as part of the answer to the difficulties we face, but as part of the problem. Um, disabled people are a marginalised group in society. We face injustice. We often can't access our communities. We, we have lower standards of education, underemployment, um, inaccessible and unsafe housing, um, and disability hate crime. And we're much more like 
likely to live in poverty than non-disabled people. So half the households in poverty have a disabled member and Scope's research shows that just being disabled costs us an extra uh, £975 every month. That's, that's new research from them. And disabled people have been asking, where is the church in all this? Where's the church when we're facing injustice, inaccessibility and inequality? Um, why is the church not speaking up during a, a cost of living crisis that's leaving disabled people having to choose between eating and powering life-saving medical equipment? And the church has often been silent in the face of disability injustice. And I think many disabled people hope that in our churches we'll find respite from some of these social and, and economic inequalities. But the stories in this book sadly suggest that disabled people are dealing with injustice in churches too. So one of our storytellers is, is called Fern. She's neurodivergent and has a chronic illness. And she told us about churches that offered her such poor access, it was humiliating in her words. And she told us about churches where she was pounced on by people wanting to pray for her cure without ever asking her if that was what she wanted. Um, so the storytellers in this book share a lot of stories of difficult and even painful experiences of exclusion in churches and, and not being listened to when they tried to speak up and say, this is ableism. This is not how Christ commanded us to live together as the church. But John Hull also says that disabled people are prophetic potential. We're not just in church to be opportunities for pastoral care, even though that's often how we've been seen by church leaders. And I think that's part of the reason why the church is more often spoken about disability than it's asked us about our own experiences of injustice, either in the church or in society. But the stories in this book also offer us so much hope for transformation in these churches because these are prophetic voices. Um, our, our lived experience as disabled people gives us such a different perspective on the world, on the church and on faith. And we worship a God resurrected with his wounds, a disabled God, which the church has sometimes forgotten. But disabled people are reminding the church about this disabled God. And the storytellers in this book are calling the church to do justly with disabled people, to speak with us about injustice, not just to speak about us. And they're showing how churches can amplify our voices. And they're telling us how churches can enable disabled people to be leaders and active members in kingdom communities, churches where everyone finds justice. Thank you. The conversation with Naomi and Emily will be interspersed with contributions from other disabled Christians. So I've been left at the gates of churches or on the outskirts of churches quite often, sometimes literally. I once attended a church and went to walk in the door with my guide dog and was told by the vicar or minister or whatever that they don't allow dogs in their service. Now, that could have literally excluded me from the church, but I ignored him and went in anyway. On the flip side, I've also had occasions where I've been really welcomed by churches I was recently visiting a church who one of the worship team noticed that during worship I was using assistive technology to access the worship lyrics on the screen and asked um, someone else who was serving to ask me if um, large print words would help and I was holded, handed a folder with all of the um, worship songs in order, really nicely formatted um, in really large font. Um, and 
I was so touched by that experience. I almost cried. I just felt seen and included. And now I know they they have said if I visit again, just to go and ask for this folder and I will have the same access as everyone else. My second question is to you, Emily, about the name of the book. Why At The Gates? In what ways are disabled people at the gates? Well, in the first instance, there are those very literal examples of people actually being left outside church buildings, unable to get in church, into, into church. All of our services and activities assume certain things about the people who will be attending. So churches had this idea of an ideal or normal parishioner. And if your needs fall outside of that normalcy, then that's when you come face to face with ableism. And Naomi's already mentioned Fern, that Fern's wheelchair gave her independence and mobility in the outside world. world. But when they came to church, she said she felt afraid of attending because of the barriers that were between her and getting into the building. And we have stories of people who've turned up in wheelchairs, unable to enter. We've had people who are unable to independently participate in communion, people who felt isolated by the unwritten rules, the cultures of the church involving social rules and um, how we be church together and also people who've had no way of following or understanding the service because there was no interpretation for people with visual impairments or hearing impairments. All of these are saying you're an exception, you don't belong. But we're trying to say that disabled people are not burdens to churches and we're actually blessings. Our storytellers told us that church often buys into, into our culture's ablest values about what perfection looks like, of what normal looks like, but we have a far better model than the world does. We have Jesus who calls us to invite to the banquet first, those who are always left to last, always left at the gates. And I would think there's also a second way in which Naomi and I are at the gates ourselves. Much of the conversation in the church and in academia and theology has been written 
about disabled persons rather than by disabled persons. So we wanted to change that narrative and use real lived experience of our storytellers to bring the conversation into the wider audience of the church. Um, back in 2014, I was diagnosed with a rare condition which affected my esophagus and made me unable to eat or drink for a number of weeks, which turned into a number of months. Uh, at the time, I was at a Baptist church and we read the, the scriptures together and decided that it'd be good to have a healing service, not just for myself, but for other people as well. Um, and out of that, it came a, a session of healing using oils from the elders, putting them on my head as described in, in the Bible. Um, and out of that came a couple of hours where I was able to eat and drink. Um, and I was ecstatic and very excited about this. But within a matter of hours after that, uh, all my symptoms returned. This made me question, what is healing? What is cure? What does God mean for all of this to me? As I um, attended different churches, I recognised there were differences in how people went about prayer and healing and cure. Um, and recognising that there was a difference between healing and cure was very vital for me um, in that. I realised that healing and cure are very different because healing is not just a physical thing, whereas cure is something where your symptoms disappear and medically you are better. Healing is something much more spiritual, something much more inside of you. Um, and I realised that God was healing me day to day um, in my journey of acceptance and healing my social uh, situation by bringing me to you belong and finding all this wonderful community um, I do pray sometimes for the symptoms to be relieved such as bad pain um, and fatigue and sometimes that happens and that's where I would see cure but it's very important to recognize the difference between healing and cure uh, when someone comes up for prayer because we don't want to be assuming that someone wants to be changed from their chronic illness because my chronic illness is maybe who I am and I would never want to change that Something which comes up again and again is that in the Bible, a number of disabled characters are healed. Um, Naomi, first, how do you read these stories? Oh, they're so interesting, aren't they? So, yeah, the Gospels are absolutely chock full of disabled characters and chronically ill characters and potentially mentally ill characters who become a bit of a vector for Jesus's mission, depending on, on how you read the Bible. And at the time these stories were written down, the writers probably wouldn't have shared our concept of disabled, although there are possibly parallel concepts in the Bible. But today there are disabled people who understand ourselves as disabled. And we're reading these healing stories. We're listening to preaching about them almost every Sunday because they're in almost every gospel story. And they're mostly being preached about by non-disabled ministers. And I don't know about you, but for me, that became a really oppressive experience for a while because of the way the stories were, were being interpreted. I didn't want my cure to be a metaphor for other people's salvation. And I didn't want to hear from the pulpit that Jesus came so I could be physically cured. Actually, he came for my salvation. And I didn't want to um, I didn't want people using these stories as inspiration to, to pray for my, my cure without asking me if that was what I wanted. And this was one of the reasons I stopped going for, to church for a few years while I was doing my PhD. The way these stories were interpreted were just so painful for me. Um, 
so I ended up spending a lot of time with these on, with these stories on my own and reading about them and, and trying to find out what other disabled people think about these stories. And one of the really powerful things I learned is that Jesus not only had a mission to the margins, he was one of the marginalized. And his mission of liberation and salvation was first for the people who'd been pushed to the edge of society before it was for privileged people. And we have a God of the marginalized, a God of the oppressed. And in these stories, his first concern is for disabled people and people living in poverty and, and Samaritan women, foreigners and outsiders. And Theologians have written some great things about how in the gospel, Jesus restores disabled people to their communities and he does and that's good. But that still often is interpreted as a non-disabled community learning lessons through people like me. And I'm not here to be a lesson in anything. I'd be a very bad one. Um, but when I look at the disabled people in the gospels as people like me and I see how much agency they have. So the bleeding woman boldly reaching out for Jesus's cloak, even though it's a violation of purity rules that have pushed her to the edge of her society for so long. Um, and blind Bartimaeus who challenges Jesus to listen to him when Jesus first ignores him. These are prophets who call Jesus back to his mission to the marginalized and to the oppressed in their society. And yes, they also usually want cure and that can be complicated for me, but also I can understand that. We had disabled storytellers who were praying for cure, but we also had storytellers who wanted their churches to be healed and wanted society to be healed from the sins of ableism. And, and many of them knew that there's, there's a difference between healing and cure. And, and some of us are a lot more interested in experiencing God's healing right now than we are in being fixed because only something broken needs fixing but I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so revisiting these stories of Jesus's healings has given me a lot of healing from the wounds of bad theology about these stories. And it's reminded me that Jesus regularly asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? And that if the church asked disabled people that question, our answers might be different from what they expect. I can relate to that, as you say. Um... So, Emily, how did the disabled storytellers in the book think differently about healing? Yeah, I think firstly it's important to say that there was a varied response to this question of healing. Um, disabled Christians are no different to the rest of the church, and so there's a wide range of views on God's healing today and how it works or doesn't work and what extent it happens. But many of our storytellers had had negative experiences of healing from other people around them. Many of them have been victims of unrequested prayer, been subject to what I think of as the disabled pounds where church leaders gravitate towards people with visible disabilities to offer prayer. And like Naomi said, this comes from the medical model mindset prevalent in society and says to us, you are broken and you need fixing. And that also in the church, it tied to a historical link between sin and disability, 
which led to many of our storytellers being told of their need to repent of unconfessing or feel like they themselves were ultimately to blame for their current situation. And like Naomi said, contrast this to what Jesus does in the Gospels, where he never heals without consent, asking, what do you want me to do for you? And in John 9, he refuses to be brought into that sin and disability debate that was even going on in the gospel around the blind man. So for Jesus, healing is always relational rather than medical. So he's working to restore relationships. And I was reading a quote from Rachel Held Evans who said that there is a difference between curing and healing and I believe the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing and that is what our storytellers told us. They didn't want, they wanted the church to take healing seriously not to see it as a quick fix or a magic trick, but as a way of restoring wholeness within the broken body of the church. Many of them spoke of their need for healing, not for their conditions, but from the wounds of ableism and the trauma that they had experienced. And they longed for the church to see its own need for healing and for us to be a part of that healing by sharing our stories. Emmanuel Lati states that every person is in certain respects like all others, like some others and like no others. I became a disabled person over a number of years due to a rare spinal condition which took me from being like all others to being, at least medically speaking, like about 30 people in the UK, like almost no others. This change in who I was affected my life significantly. I struggled to minister as a church army evangelist without becoming exhausted, and I discovered that the world and the church were not designed for who I had become. But I also learned about how to make better choices, to lead better and to listen more to others, and I learnt about God. I learnt that in the turmoil God knew me, knows me, and will know me, accepting me as I change and loving me as I am, not the person who has gone, or the person that others want me to become, but whoever I am, today or tomorrow. And I started to meet with other disabled Christians on Twitter, we started to share the Bible with one another through struggling saints. I learned that others, like me, were making discoveries about God, disabled people who church or society weren't used to listening to, were meeting with God and hearing from God and responding. And I learned from them and learned more of God through them. 
and I thank God for them and how they've helped me hold on to God and have become for me a vital part of the body of Christ. I uh, love that image that you've shared, Emily, of uh, the disabled pounce. Uh, those of us who live with physical disabilities will relate to that, I'm sure. And obviously you've collected a lot from uh, the experiences of your storytellers. I wonder if I could ask a more personal question, uh, first of all, to Emily. Does being disabled bring different insights to your own faith journey? Well, I think I said this in the book and I say it now again. I always say I left university to, to become a theologian. I was unable to complete my theology degree because of the increasing limitations placed on my body that I couldn't do anymore. But looking back, it's been exactly that experience that has made me grapple with these questions in a new and meaningful way. And my faith hero is um, Jacob, the patriarch, who wrestled with God and was rewarded with the dislocated hip. And I'm familiar with dislocations in my life. But it was that experience that was the beginning of his transformation when he became Israel and escaped his less than perfect identity as a cheater. And he was finally allowed to receive God's blessing, a blessing that came with a limp and a lifelong disability. The writer of Hebrews talks about Jacob leaning on his staff as he looks back on the end of his life. And I really cherish that Im image. For me, walking with a staff or a cane has taught me to depend on something outside of myself. And that's been also true of my faith journey. I'd say I used to walk and pray on two legs and now I'm wise enough to do it with three, to do it with that support that allows me to depend on something other than my own abilities. Thank you, that's a beautiful image of praying on three legs. Um, Naomi, the same question to you. Does being disabled bring different insights in your own faith journey? Yeah, um, Emily, I just love that image on pray, of praying on three legs. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so I've mentioned this already, but for me, one of the most powerful images in the Bible is a Jesus resurrected with his wounds, who even allows his disciples to touch those wounds. And that's when they see he's God, not when he walks through walls and, and does more miraculous things, but when he appears to them as, as the wounded, resurrected God, um, as, as disabled theologian Nancy Iceland taught us. And at the heart of my belief is a faith, at the heart of my faith is a belief that 
that God um, values me as a disabled person, not in spite of disability or neurodiversity. So I don't have to believe that some parts of me are made in the image of God and, and some are not. Mm -hmm. God loves all of me and God created all of me. And, and for me, this is all part of being human in, in God's diverse creation. And that kind of reimagining has brought me a lot of healing um, in a world that doesn't value me as a disabled person. The incarnation shows us a different truth. It's so different from the world's obsession with productivity and perfection. God became like us, um, became a, like the most vulnerable of us in uh, an incredible act of grace. And that leads me to think differently about God and about being human and about healing and cure, as Emily was talking about, um, and about what our faith communities could look like if um, they really valued disabled people and other marginalized people. How could all our values be turned upside down in that kind of upside down kingdom of God? How would we respond to people who've been sanctioned from their benefits and have nothing to eat as one storyteller was reflecting to us and how would we respond to migrants who have no recourse to public funds if we really understood that God is not just um, a powerful God but is also a disabled God a marginalized God um, and for me all of this starts with a disabled Jesus and at the gates is full of disabled people who have different insights from from the norm of church theology um, storyteller Tim said something really interesting that I'll read. He said, when we look at God from a different angle, i.e. the angle of people who are disabled, we will learn things about God that we might not ordinarily see. And this is a theology of the margins. The, the church's theology has been shaped by the powerful and, and images of, of what's powerful. But imagine what our theology would be like if we didn't think of God as, as a perfect and powerful God, but we also remembered a Jesus resurrected with his wounds. So for me, disability involves a different way of knowing God because we know that God is like us too. And in a society and church where there's a lot of disability and justice, I wonder if maybe these storytellers who think differently are, are called for such a time as this. Thank you. So I guess building on that, responding to what you've just said, uh, thinking about models of ministry, leadership, different ways of being church. Where do you, Naomi, first see the signs of hope? Yeah, so I mentioned before that, that we have some very hopeful stories in the book. Um, and sometimes um, it, because some of the painful stories at the beginning, it might be easy to miss that. But um, we, we kept the, the best stuff for the end, really. And for me, some of the most powerful stories in this book are the stories of disabled led communities, our own communities, church groups by and for disabled people. Um, so I spent some time in Wave Church, which stands for We're All Valued Equally. And, and then we wrote about it in the book. Um, it's a church group for people with and without learning disabilities worshipping together. And everything that happens at Wave Church is designed so that people with learning disabilities can participate fully. It's a culture of access and members with learning disabilities are leaders and speakers and organisers of Wave. And this is church with not for people with learning disabilities. Um, and we also write about the Disability in Church Conference, which is held in partnership between Inclusive Church and St. Master in the Fields Church. And again, it's a disabled led ministry. We think it was the first conference where um, organized by and for disabled people in the UK. And it's, it's um, a really exciting place where disabled people resource each other in the church and take our gathered wisdom and learning back to our churches with the hope that we can lead change there. 
Um, and it's another place where we try to model a culture of accessibility. So access is woven into everything that happens at the conference, that culture of access that in the, in the book we're asking churches to think about developing. Um, and what strikes me about many of these groups is that they're working on the edge of the institutional church with no funding and very little support most of the time. Um, but the wilderness is this creative space where disabled people are coming together to, to build something new. They're, these groups are modeling a better way to do church, um, a more just way to do church. Um, and the group Disability and Jesus say that these are marginal communities where the Holy Spirit is working and where disabled people are breaking new ground and exploring new theologies. And that's brilliant. And I think it's now time for disabled people to move from those edges to the centre when, when we're able and ready to. Um, it's time for our different ways of doing church to be valued and supported and funded and learned from by the mainstream of the institutional church. Emily, where do you see signs of hope? Yeah, I'm definitely on those fringes and a lot of the, the time those fringes for me have been digital and we all know what happened in 2020 when church moved online. But the truth was church was already online long before 2020 because a lot of the ideas from this, this, this book and these storytellers came from Twitter conversations and Facebook groups because that is where disabled people could gather from their beds, from the places where they couldn't get into a church. And that's where I have found a lot of... Um, hope in those conversations groups like disability and jesus and the ordinary office and you belong doing this work with new technology but communicating very old truths about community and fellowship well I just want to say that both of you and the book that you've written give me signs of hope or offer to us signs of hope for the future as we begin to hear for the first time uh, and in more ways that, that the voice of disabled Christians finally being heard. Um, and so I'm hugely grateful personally for being able to be involved and to have this conversation, but particularly just want to thank you for the research that you've done, the way that you share it so passionately and for participating in this conversation today. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you.